This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Joining me now in the studio is Palestinian Saudi artist Dana Awartani. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So great to have you. We've just moved from the Reflection Art Festival, which actually you have something to do with. Yep. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, to the Islamic Arts Festival, yes. which is also starting on the 20th of December. Yeah. Uh, and you have your first institutional solo exhibition happening at Mariah Arts Center for this. Yes. Called The Silence Between Us. I'm so excited. So am I. Tell it's- me more. So, yeah, like you're saying, it's my first uh, institutional solo show here. And it's really been a labor of love producing the show. I mean, I've been working with Mariah for the past six, seven months to get everything together. And it's going to be showing uh, a variety of my earlier works to one of my latest pieces I did in Saudi uh, earlier this year. And uh, a lot of the works are textile based and uh, rooted in, in crafts and my collaborations with craftsmen over the year. So it's a great introduction to people who don't have never seen my work to see the kind of diversity of it. For those who haven't seen your work, it really um, explores ideas and concepts that are just, they're fleeting, they're not concrete. uh, They're about how we feel Mm -hmm. uh, as we interact with craft, Mm -hmm. with culture, with language, with poetry, Mm -hmm. Um, things that come, things that go. And uh, it's kind of, quite exciting and something that you can't put your finger on but you seem to capture it in your artworks tell us more about the concepts that you explore well the thing is um most of the things i explore i'm really inspired by is islamic and arab heritage tradition and art because it's really dying out i mean whether it's due to you know the country's really evolving becoming really modern or through war that's happening in you know Uh, in Syria, Iraq, all of this history is dying. And for me, I think it's, you know, a really important um, representation of the cultures through art. So I always try to kind of revive that work with that as well as like, you know, I'm someone who's not from one country. You know, I'm a Palestinian, a Syrian, Jordanian and a Saudi. So identity for me is rooted in culture and art because Islamic art doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't belong to one of these countries. It's totally universal. And I love that. And as well with craft, you know, the the concept of like working with craft, first of all, is totally shunned in the contemporary art world because it's seen as a bit trivial in in terms of um, production. You know, they don't love something beautiful. And also um, craftsmen themselves are dying out. You know, they used to be some of the most important people in society, you know, had a good income and patronage. And now they're just some of the poorest people in society just making tourist objects in really bad quality. So I like to try to work with them and revive the beauty and appreciation for craft. Exactly, exactly. The, yeah. the, you, you put your finger on it, the appreciation yeah. for it is what we're really missing, particularly in a world where we're just about everything being instant yeah. and fast and cheap and whatever. we don't understand what it means to craft something by hand yeah. and the meaning behind it and the history behind it. Uh, it's incredible. So I'm so glad you did that. But, you know, tell me about... Um, you know, growing up and your education and how you became an artist and, okay. and coming to these concepts. 
Well, uh, the story of how I became an artist is actually interesting because it was my mom and my GCSE art teacher who decided I was going to be an artist before I decided to be an artist. <laughs> I think I was like 13 or 14 and my mom had like a parent teacher meeting with my art teacher and she told her, oh, you know, your daughter's quite talented. You know, she should go to St. Martin's. And Central St. Martin's yeah, in London. And yeah. then at that point, mom's like, all right, okay, you're going to Central St. Martin's. And that's what happened. Wow. And uh, But I'm really grateful because I never had this confusion of what I wanted to be. I always knew I wanted to be an artist. And uh, so I went to St. Martin's and it was great because I really learned a lot about how to think like a contemporary artist, how to develop ideas, you know, the rigor that goes into it, the reading and the research. But I felt that I was not learning how to make because there was no classes on painting or production you know you kind of just did whatever you wanted to do and so for my master's I was like I went to the Princess School of Traditional Arts which is the total opposite you know the day I got there they're like we don't care that you're a contemporary artist you're going to leave your ego at the door we don't care what you want to say you're going to be here and you're going to learn about craft which was a very different sort of approach and I combined the two after graduating because the thing I loved as well about traditional arts is they that my tutors used to tell me, you know, the difference between traditional and contemporary is traditional art is made by man for God, whereas contemporary art is made by man for man, yeah. you know? Yeah. So and now I try to find a middle ground because they're two polar opposites that live in their own bubbles and don't interact, you know. But uh, tell me ab about uh, bringing in Arab and Islamic art into this whole equation. How did that happen for you? You're quite inspired by uh, Arab poets mm -hmm. as well in your art, both male and female. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that, how that came into play. Well, I've always been deeply inspired by the Arab, you know, culture, because that's what they taught us in, in the Prince's School, predominantly was, um, you know, Islamic art. And, um, and Islamic art is also very rooted in Sufism and Sufi sort of philosophy. And then that's when I started learning more about Sufi poets, you know, Ibn Arabi and Rumi and Hafiz and all them. And uh, but it was all men. Yeah, I just thought, OK, women didn't exist or they didn't do poetry. But um, I came across this amazing book, which was just an anthology of female Arab poets uh, from like the 7th to the 12th century. And that was the first time I've ever heard of Arab poets. Wow. By women. Yeah. And they were radical. I mean, I was shocked that women would speak like that. It w you would not even imagine a 21st century Arab women speaking like that. So I could... Their voices were powerful. Very powerful. And, you know, I'm not going to say too much about it so you can come and experience it in the show. But a, a lot of the works are inspired by this poetry. And I've like had such positive feedback from women who came into the space and heard it. a lot of them cried you know because they were overwhelmed and i'm just hoping you know it will educate people about our history as well because a lot of this stuff people don't know about you know the philosophy the, the the art the poetry it's all just you know a footnote yeah exactly and it's so important to bring that out because yeah. these are the voices that we haven't heard yeah. enough of. Yeah. Um, but uh, coming up next, I want to uh, go a bit deeper into your exhibition, okay. into the works that you have uh, that are going to be presented at Mariah Art Centre. They are breathtaking, <laughs> really beautiful works. And I haven't even been yet. I can tell you just uh, uh, taking a look at these. Uh, they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so that's coming up next on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. 
Yeah, we're chatting with Dana Awatani. She's got a new solo exhibition uh, that is starting as part of the uh, Sharjah Islamic Arts Festival. That's happening from the 20th of December. Again, lots happening uh, this month here in Sharjah. If you're into the arts, this is going to be heaven for you. Uh, and particularly this particular ad- exhibition, The Silence Between Us, mm-hmm. um, from you, Dana. Now tell us a bit more about the works that you have there uh, and the concepts that you are going to be uh, exploring. And the audience is invited uh, to explore as well because they're kind of, they are artworks, but they're installations mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and they do invite uh, and the audience interaction. So tell us a bit more about this. So yes, yeah, starting off with... Uh uh what you're saying about the interactive spaces so the way we've done the exhibition is it's not just about standing there and observing the artwork you're gonna see but also feel it's not on the wall um no it's not within all. the room you are in yeah. the room you're part of the artwork yeah. Yeah. and also it's a cycle of light like um each space is a different sort of light starting from very dark to dim so you'll be ex- um, experiencing that as you move through the show and the way that you experience that is through these particular panels that are, mm-hmm. you know, wo- they're textiles, uh, textile panels. Um, what are they called? They're called Jali? Jali. So that's one of the works is inspired by Jali's in the Arab version of that. It's called a Mishrabiyam, which is uh, a screen. You know, uh, they're usually used a lot in Islamic architecture. And this piece I'm actually really excited to show here because it was a work intended for an Arab audience. Um, and uh, it's uh, because the whole work is in Arabic, you know, and it's poetry in Arabic. So I want the people to experience it in its original language. And um, it's a really relaxing space to be in as well with the light. Um, and then, um, yeah, so saying is like you explore the different sort of environments. So you feel something within a space. And my work is always about kind of creating a different um, sort of sense of serenity. That's exactly what you feel when yeah. you look at it. Uh, I haven't walked into the space yet, uh, but that's exactly definitely what you feel uh, going into it. Um, uh, as we said, you know, these particular jelly screens, uh, mm-hmm. they, so the idea behind these is that they're architectural forms yeah. and they allow airflow in buildings, mm-hmm. uh, but they also screen off so that you can't actually see inside. Yes. As, so, so multifunctional, totally. multi-meaning as well. Yeah. So this uh, idea of the Mishrabiya was always, uh, as you said, for architectural purposes, but also to hide women. Mm. Okay, so and this was across the whole Islamic world. And uh, it's for a, a form of privacy, especially when I went to India, you know, they created these screens so women can look out, but people cannot see in. And this piece was really created by the story I heard of um, there was this uh, mogul princess and her name was Noor Jahan and her husband was the king but turns out he was pretty incompetent so she used to rule for him but as a woman she wasn't allowed to sit in the courts so she used to sit behind a mishrabiya or a jali and whisper in his ear how to govern the whole empire and this story you have of women ruling behind the scenes is you know prevalent throughout different cultures mm. and histories throughout time yeah and uh, we still kind of have that issue of the internal space being the female and the external being the masculine and in, in the Arab world and how is that changing, you know? It's changing a lot. Yes, I hope so. It especially, better change. Especially in places like Saudi Arabia right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it is, you know, because Saudi women, I mean, having a society where 50% of the population are not involved or working is really sad because Saudi women are some of the most incredible women I've ever worked with. You know, when I teach workshops, they are so driven. They are actually better than the men. You know, they are 
really good, but they just don't have the opportunity or chances to do anything. So I'm glad that that's going towards that direction. And it's I, definitely changing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is incredibly exciting. Yeah. Uh, but something that you're doing as well, which we need to highlight, is that uh, we did just talk about the Reflection Art Festival. You're going to be part of that. Yes, I will. You're teaching geomet- geometry, Islamic mm. art geometry, yeah. uh, as one of your workshops. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that. So, yeah. So I will be doing a workshop based on the geometry that's in the show. So people can come see the show and also understand how to draw some of the, the patterns, you know, on a basic level, because it does take a long time to learn properly. And I'm really glad to do that um, because I feel that education in terms of Islamic art and geometry in specific is non-existent in the region. You know, I had to go to London to learn how to do Islamic geometry, which is a bit weird that, you know, somewhere in abroad is going to teach you about your own culture. And there's no schools or universities that do that, except recently um, Archmiel has opened a center in Saudi, but that's it. You know, so... Um, I do Why give, is that? Why is that? Because there's no appreciation for it. Um, I feel our education, especially our education, is very whitewashed. When I was in school, um, they teach you how to do still life drawing and things like that, which are not relevant at all mm. to the history of Islamic and Arab mm-hmm. art. Um, and there's been no preservation. Uh, so I think that's why, you know, they kind of feel that, OK, this is a thing of the past. Let's just leave it in the past and not appreciate it anymore. But it's, I think it's integral for all, all, you know, graphic designers, artists and architects to learn. And it's not really just Islamic. I mean, if you look, sacred geometry is in all sorts of cultures and religions, you know, in Buddhism, in, in Jewish Kabbalah, in Christian icon paintings. They are all rooted in sacred geometry. And for me, it's a... A language that really bridges people together and we need that now more than ever yeah yeah absolutely yeah i couldn't agree more um tell us a bit more about what people are going to be learning in your workshop as well so it's going to be the basics of geometry you know um most people firstly struggle how to even use a compass you know that takes some practice i don't think they teach kids how to do that at school anymore do no, they i don't think so because we used to learn it but very little even yeah. You know, way back in the day. Probably, yeah, <laughs> really basic. But, yeah, but I mean, it's not just the forms. The forms are so beautiful and mm-hmm. so precise mm-hmm. and, you know, the patterns are spectacular. Mm-hmm. But it's all the meaning behind it too, right? Yeah, so the symbolism is just something insane, insanely beautiful. So, you know, there's an inner and an outer experience for all sacred geometry. The outer being the geometric form of how it looks and what it means. But the inner is a totally different thing. Like, for example... If you look at the eight-pointed star, um, you know, that's uh, per, like quite common in all Islamic art and architecture. Yep. And it's supposed to represent, uh, you know, the four cardinal directions, um, the the four weathers and everything. So that's linked to nature and earth. Wow. So every number in its, itself like has a has a meaning, you know, the number one or the point is a symbol of unity. Two is a symbol of duality, how everything's created in pairs and, you know, so on and so forth. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole science and oh, an yeah. art in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but we're so excited to see your new exhibition. Thank you. And your workshop as well. Yeah. If you, make sure you sign up for this. I'm putting my hand <laughs> up for this workshop. Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Dana Awartani, we've run out of time, but thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this morning. <laughs> thank you. Make sure December 20th. Uh, at the Mariah Art Center is going to be the opening yeah. of her exhibition from 10 a.m., I believe. Yes, yes. it's an early opening. <laughs> yes, get down there. Be part of it. It uh, looks incredible. Absolutely beautiful work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to make vegan, vegan treats.
absolutely irresistible and delectable with the one and only Camilla Omrose of the Snack Society. That's next. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.